Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm excited to preach this morning. I, I, I still have the same assignment that I've had for several weeks, and that's to teach on the foundations of our faith. So if you remember our foundational scriptures found in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, uh, and if you go there you'll find it where he said, uh, I, I want to lay these things in your life. And I, I keep thinking that I could get a, a, a more exciting assignment, but be that as it may, uh, the writer of Hebrews goes, leaving the discussion of elementary principles. Say elementary, Watson. Look at the person next to you and say, Watson, it's elementary. This, this is, I just want you to know this is not even deep stuff. This is just elementary stuff. This is the foundational things that the church had in the very beginning. I want to move on from elementary things and go on to perfection. I don't want to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptism. The laying on of hands is my assignment today. I've been teaching on Jesus is Lord, on repentance, on faith and baptism. But this morning my assignment is to teach on the laying on of hands. And, And before you think this is for people that are special or that it's a charismatic Pentecostal thing, he says, no, this is just the foundations. This, you should know this from the beginning. So uh, laying on of hands or the hands of God, either way, uh, uh, this, this morning that's what I want to try to. How many of you know God formed you with his? I mean, he spoke and there were birds. He spoke and there were ducks and he spoke and there were camels. But when it came to you, he formed you with his hand. Say with me, I'm handmade. I mean, if, if, if you buy something handmade, it's better than something made in China, right? I, I mean, you can, get, you can get those mass-produced stuff, or you can get something that's hand-stitched. Ladies, you like it hand. I, I, I wear a certain shoe because I know how it's made. I, I like that hand handcrafted things. I mean, right now you can go to all kinds of stores around, and the best stores in the world are those things that are handmade by somebody. Anybody been to Clayworks? Uh, I love clay works. I love going down there because I know friends of mine make things down at clay works and they do it. Hands. You, you're a hands-on thing. God put his hands on you. He made you uniquely. There's only one of you. There's not two of you. There's not, you're, no copies. You're, you're unique and you're special and you're, you're, you're just handcrafted and there's no one quite like you. He put his hands on you when he formed you in the womb of your mother. He has always been this hands on God. You, you and I both know that hands are important because some of us have experienced those gentle hands, right? Others of us have experienced abusive hands. So hands can either be used in an abusive way or they can be used in a gentle way, but touch is so important. I was just talking with someone in the hall from first service, how, how we touch one another. It's just so vital. You, you can receive I want you to know that God always has used his hands. He used his hands to create, and he uses his hands to deliver. And as I prepared this message this morning, I kept thinking, where do I start? Where do I start? Because you you just read all about the hands of the Lord throughout all of Scripture. But I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 3, verses 19, 20, and 21. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Say with me, he will not. The king of Egypt had a grip on the children of Israel. He had put them in bondage. The king of Israel, our king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand. Say with me, God. It it must be mightier than a mighty hand. Because he said, Egypt will not let you go, not even by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand. So the, the hand of God must be mightier than a mighty hand. I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he'll let you go. Say with me, God is about to strike the enemy. Man, I don't know if you, uh, wow. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go out empty handed. How many of you got something that you think just gripping you? 
Something that's just holding you back. Something that you, you, you kind of know there's more, but something kind of holds. Anybody? Nobody going to admit it. There's just something in your life, and you can't really define it, but it's just keeping you from breaking through. You know there's another level, but you just can't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just don't seem to have a reason to move into the next I was just talking to somebody this morning, and they were saying, I'm having trouble, I'm having trouble connecting. Uh, I, I just don't seem to have this drive to, to fellowship in the church, and, and I know this person, know this person pretty well, and I know that when I met them, they were struggling with addiction, and they, they were struggling with, they were just trying to keep alive. They were just, they were just trying to survive, and today, they're thriving. Can I tell you that when you're, when you're struggling to keep your head above water, boy, you're coming to get. But then when somebody kind of arrives and it's a little better, then you, can, you don't have the same emotion because you're not. And so now then there's something holding you back, but it's not as obvious as it was in the beginning. Anybody in the beginning, you knew what it was. It was your whatever. But now there's just something. I got news for you this morning. You're going free. This morning, you're going to break through that thing. This morning, God's going to stretch out his hand, and he's going to break that thing that's kept you from going to that next level, that next dimension. God's hand is going to reach out and do that. I remember being raised. I had two grandmothers, Grandma Jessie and Grandma Lottie. Spent a lot of time with Grandma Jessie. And Grandma Jessie was always, from the time I was a little bitty, she'd say, Dwayne, God's hand is on your life. Now, she generally said that when I was doing something I shouldn't be doing. I'd be doing something I shouldn't be doing. And she'd say, Dwayne, now God's hand's on your life. What that really meant is if I didn't change the behavior that I was displaying at that moment, the grandma's hand <laughs> was going to be on my life. Now, Grandma Lottie was a completely different personality. Grandma Lottie was always talking about the hand of the Lord was on the preacher this morning. The hand of the Lord was on your cousin. The hand of the Lord was on the leader of the song. I saw the hand of the Lord this morning, uh, Marin, as my granddad, Marin. Marin, the hand of the Lord is guiding us. The hand, she always talked about how she should say, I saw the hand of the Lord today. The hand of the Lord is guiding us. And then many years later, I was sitting over in a trailer house, not far from where I worked. I was sitting on the floor of this little trailer house, and Brother Crane, Anita's father-in-law, Brother Crane began to weep, and he leaned up in this old brown recliner chair he had. He'd been eating frozen peas. I'll never forget it. He loved frozen peas. He'd eat them, but a handfuls. And, and he sat up, and he said, Quentin, I just saw the hand of the Lord is upon you. The hand of God is on your life. God's calling you to more than you understand. The hand of God. I, I, Thank God that Brother Crane took time to recognize that the hand of God was on my life. The longer I live, the more I realize I have done nothing apart from the hand of God on my life. Amen. That anything that's happened in my life has been because God's hand. And God sent me to tell you this morning that God's hand's on you. That God's hand is on your life, maybe not to do what I've done, to preach or whatever, but God's hand is on you to serve your family. God's hand is on you to befriend the people that he sends into your life. God's hand's on you to be a school teacher or a plumber, a Chonian, an American. That God's hand not only forms you, but God's hand stays on the clay. That God's hand has remained on your life. That God's hand is on every one of you today. That you are special. That you matter. That, that who you are is valuable. I just read a story from Gary Smalley. Anybody who Gary Smalley is? Gary Smalley tells this great story, so I'm telling his story. So don't write me letters about telling Gary Smalley's story. Because I'll tell you, it's Gary Smalley's story, okay? I've made that mistake once. Gary Smalley tells this story about how this family had Jenny, and Jenny's about two and a half or three. You know, she's just talking real well, driving her mama nuts. 
and dad comes home and mom says, you got to do something with Jenny. I just, Jenny's just driving. You, we got, we got to get Jenny under control or she's going to be a mass murderer. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You ever met one of them three, four year olds? Yeah. And so dad takes Jenny out to IHOP on Saturday morning and he sits Jenny down and they order pancakes with whipped cream and blueberries and they come and dad starts. He says, Jenny, he said, your mom and I've been praying for you even before you were born. Your mom and I prayed and prayed and prayed for you. And I just want you to know we keep praying for you. And your mom and I love you. Your mom and I think you're the most special, talented, gifted. You're, you're, just, you're just the apple of our eye. There's just nobody quite as special to us as you. And he paused. And he was trying to segue over into these behavioral issues. And Jenny goes, tell me more, Daddy. Tell me more. You see, Jenny was eating more than pancakes that morning. She was eating emotional support. She was eating the reality that her daddy was telling her how special. Can I tell you something? People need to know that the hand of God. And I'm trying to tell you this morning, you are special and unique that God formed you and God's still with you and that he's on you and that if you find yourself in the bondage of the pharaohs of this world, God knows how to stretch out his hand and strike the thing that has got you in his grip and pull you out of the middle of that thing. That when God stretches out his hand, he does one thing, he works justice. There are men and women today in the world that think they can elect justice. They think they can structure justice. But only God knows how to work justice. Only God knows how to stretch into something that's mightier than might and knows how to deliver people that are in bondage. Because when God moves, he not only delivers you from that thing, but then he blesses you with a provision that's more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Some of you want to hear me. God doesn't just want to save you from the world and send you to heaven. He wants to bless you with back wages. He wants to repay you for the 430 years that Israel was in bondage. God knows how to execute justice. Listen, our culture is all caught up in racism and me too and this and this and this and this and this. And And let me tell you something. God is the one that can stretch out his hand and he'll do it without the use of who you think. He'll wait until the only thing that can happen is God using his hand. He'll get his hands around your life. And when we stop putting faith in the things of this world and start putting faith in the hand of God, then you'll see justice begin to execute. And we are on the verge of that. I can move prophetically. We're on the verge of seeing God's hand reach. And so Pharaoh will not let you go, but I'll reach in my hand and I'll pull the children of Israel out of the grip of Pharaoh and then Egypt will know that I am God. See, God wants to use his hand not just to deliver you, but to prove to the Egyptians that he's the God of the Most High. So I'll lay my hand. They, they, they won't want to let you go. They won't want to give up. But, 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 but there's another hand that they've never seen. There's the invisible hand of God that can only be seen by Grandma Lottie. And I'm serious. There's this invisible hand that can only be seen by people who are looking to see the invisible. There's an invisible movement of God that is only seen by people that are in tune with the Spirit of God. Many people are so in tune with the news that they can't see the invisible hand of God. But I'm telling you, there's an invisible hand of God that's able to reach in and set people free and work justice There's an invisible hand that formed this hand. You can see this hand, but there was a visible hand that made that hand. There's another hand that's about to move. This is foundational stuff. This is from the beginning, the laying on of hands. This is from the beginning of time to the day of Moses. And I'm going to bring it right in. Listen, there's a father's hand that's greater than Pharaoh's hand. You just got to start looking for that invisible hand, that hand that will deliver, that hand that will provide. But see, it's so easy to forget the hand that worked in your life when you were struggling to survive. It's so easy to forget that when you were going down for the last time, God reached in and pulled you up, Peter. 
It's easy when we get above the water a little bit that then we just don't feel the need and so you can forget. And so you can get out of Egypt and into the wilderness and the people can start muttering against you and Moses is going, now what do you want me to do with this insolent people? They want food and water and quail. They want all this. And God speaks to Moses and he says, don't, do, do, do you think my hand has been shortened? If I could reach in and save you from sin, don't you think I could reach in and provide for you in the wilderness? Some of you are facing shortages in your life, and I have news for you. God's hand is not too short to reach into the issue that you have right now in your life. And re- He can make water from a rock. He can cause bread to fall from the sky, and he'll whistle and have quail show up in your front yard. He knows God's hand is not too short to work in your life today. God's hand. God's hand always moves because of his word. He made a promise. Say a promise. He said, Adam, I'll send another one. Adam, I'm going to send another man. I'll send another son. He said, Abraham, I promise you, your descendants will be like the sand of the, uh, of the desert and like the stars of the sky. I promise you, I'll give them land. See, God's hand moves not because of you, but because he gave his word. He made a promise. And when God makes a promise, he's going to keep that promise. God's hand is always moving to fulfill the promises in your life. What are the promises that are yet kept in your life? God's hand is moving to perform the promises that you have in your life. God's hand is always a hand of protection. Always moves to protect. Oh, come on. Moses was a little baby. He was supposed to have been aborted. They were killing all the boys at that time. And Moses' mother made this basket and put, it, put that baby in the basket and sent that baby down the Nile River full of alligators. Do you know, do you know the odds of surviving in a basket made of sticks and stone, you know, just sticks and straw and tar? And, and, and Moses survived that boat trip down the Nile. God's been protecting you from the beginning of your birth if you'll have enough sense to recognize that God's hand has always been protecting you even from the beginning of your life. God's hand is always moving to fulfill a promise and his hand will always protect you. Listen, I had the best dad in the world, literally. My dad was a contractor and I was about nine years old. Anybody know what texture is? It's this stuff you spray on the walls and it, it textures you all and you spray it. I'm about nine years old in Coffeyville, Kansas. And I walk into this building that my dad was doing and this guy that worked for my dad and he had textured the walls. And I thought it was really cool to write my name. <laughs> and, and that guy stepped out of the one room into the next room and he looked at me and he goes, ah! and he started saying words that I shouldn't say. And I'm backing up. I'm scared. And my dad came in the room, and I didn't know it. My dad reached out and put his hand on my shoulder, pulled me around behind him. He said, you got a problem with my boy? If you got a problem with my boy, you take it up with me. You don't take it up with the boy. I'm telling you, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I'm peering around my dad going. Do you understand? God always protects. He pull you back around, tuck you in a rock. He'll pull you behind that thing and he'll hide you in the cleft. And you, now I ain't going to tell you what dad did two blocks from there. <laughs> we got a couple blocks from there and dad had other things to say to me. God's hand always moves to fulfill his promises in your life and he always moves to protect. And he said, all your needs all of your needs. Say all of my needs. Say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want all of your needs according to my riches and glory. I'll give your hands the power to obtain wealth. Say they have the power to obtain wealth. God's hand is always providing what you need. He'll break it. He'll bless it and he'll give it. It's always, God's hand always moves to 
fulfill a promise that always moves to protect, and he always moves to give more than enough. Say abundant. Say overflowing. Uh, more. See, every time I get into this kind of thing, people shut me down because of evangelistic television preachers who have gone too far, I suppose, with the prosperity message. And yet, the truth of the matter is, is that God moves to provide for us. He, he, he moves to give favor to us. And that we need to be believing God, not only for the promise and the protection, but for the provision that God has for our lives. God, God's hand will always give purpose to you. Always give you purpose. Moses, you're not in your purpose. You're out here following these sheep around. You've been out here for 40 years. You do understand that this moment happens when, when Moses is 80 and they didn't have health care. Some of you think you're old at 80. Heck, some of you think you're old at 45. I had this guy the other day saying, oh, I'm just an old man. I said, how old are you? He said, 42. I wanted to slap him. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to sit you down and I'm going to beat the snot out of you. I'm 20 years older than you are. And I'm an old, old man, my foot. At 40, I could, mm -hmm, I quit both sons. <laughs> Just ask. I had the strongest thumb in the world. You know, I always knew where to grab. You, you didn't get it. I could grab them right there and take them down. I mean, you, oh, you didn't get it. Purpose. God came to give Moses purpose at 80 years old. He stepped into Moses' life at 80 years old and said, I'm going to give meaning to your life. I'm going to tell you why you're here and what you're to do. How many of you just need purpose in your life? Just meaning. You need to know why you're here. You need to know what you're supposed to be doing. Some of you have no motivation because you've lost purpose. And you're just following sheep around holding that staff. You were supposed to have a scepter. You were raised in Pharaoh's house. You were supposed to be a Pharaoh, and you're supposed to have a scepter, but you murdered somebody and made a mistake. Now you've got a staff. See, God will come to provide his promise. He'll provide protection. He'll provide provision. He'll give meaning and purpose to your life. He always comes to fulfill those things. <laughs> and power. He said, Moses, he said, when I stretch out my hand, I'm going to reveal my power to the Egyptians. Say, there's power in his hand. How many of you ever know that pressure reveals power? If you ever get under pressure, I promise you, you'll want power. Power will always come because of the pressures that come into your life. Hmm, stretch out. Moses had no problem believing that God's hand was mighty. How many of you know God? How many believe God? God's hands, I got to take this off. Uh, God's hand is... Here, son, have that. God's hand is mighty. How many of you know God's hand is? We have no problem believing God's hand is mighty, but we have a bit of a problem believing that our hand is. We have a little problem with that. I mean, Moses in chapter 4 of Exodus says, well, what if they don't believe that your hand is mighty? What he's really asking is, what, what, let's suppose they don't believe. And and God looks back at Moses and says, what's in your hand? What's in your wallet? What's, what's, what's in your wallet? Master charge. Master charge does not make you rich. It makes you poor. What's in your hand? Say, what's in your hand? Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? I, I like it when he, he's always doing that. He's always going, what's in your house? Oil, just a little bit, but oil. What, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish, not much. God loves it when, what's in your, a staff, say a staff. staff. See, that staff, I got a staff. I was supposed to have that scepter and be a ruler, but now all I got is a staff. And that staff reminds me that I used to live over there, but now I'm out here following me. A staff is always a reminder of the mistakes that you made. That thing you hold on to. You've become so familiar with it, you identify yourself now as a sheep herder. What's in your hand? Well, it's that, what are you holding on to that reminds you of the failures that you made in the past? What are you holding on to that, that keeps you from doing what it is you're supposed to be doing? What, what is it that's limiting you? What are you holding? See, sometimes it's not that somebody else is holding us in Egypt. We hold ourselves. None of you are being held by anything other than your own self-perception, other than your own self-perception. 
deception. What are you holding on to, Moses? He said, Moses, throw that down. Say, throw that down. Release what you're familiar with. Release what you're comfortable with. And you know what? Anybody know this story? I learned this story under Mrs. Shepherd in Severy, Kansas. What happened to the staff? It became a snake, right? And the Bible proves that Moses is a smart man. He ran. Smart people run from snakes. The rest of you are stupid. You run from snakes. You're afraid of snakes, right? It's a natural response to be afraid of a snake. Let go what you're familiar with, but I want you to pick up what you're afraid of. Now you pick that up, Moses. You pick that snake up. See, God can't do anything with you until you release that which you're familiar with and pick up that which you're afraid of. Some of you are afraid to move into the things of God. Some of you are just afraid to be free. We see ourselves as grasshoppers. We're afraid to think we're conquerors. Some of you are just sitting there. You're afraid to believe that you can do more than you've ever done in your life. You're afraid to believe that God could bless you more. But you're afraid to believe God give you a better job. You're afraid to believe that God give you a good marriage. Because you're holding on to how he or she was in the past. You won't release and let go of it because you're afraid to pick up. Hmm. Look at somebody say, you need to release that. You need to pick that up. Hmm. And, and your greatest mistake will become your greatest miracle. Are you listening to me? And, and then he says, okay, take, take your other hand. Say your other hand. Say, look at you. Uh, life takes both hands. Do you understand you can't live life with one hand. You got, it takes, say, both hands. Any of you drive a car? My daddy taught me, put both hands on the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. He ain't going to do that. Put your hands on the wheel. That's a stupid country song. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Say, your other hand. Stick it in your cloak. Pull it out. Anybody know this story? It's leprous. You, you, you know, leprous? You know, if, if you're a leper, you got to stay downwind. Lepers weren't allowed to, it's social distance. If you got leprosy, you got a social, if you, you're quarantined. You know how Moses viewed himself? He viewed himself as a leper. He had murdered some guy back there. And he viewed himself as a leper. He couldn't get close. That's how, his identity had been defined by his mistake. His mistake had made him have an identity. You could preach this, Pete. Steal it and do what you want to do with it. He, he identifies himself. He's now put your hand back in. Take it back out. And it's clean. He goes, I, I'm, I'm delivering you from your own false identity. Now your staff has become a source of power. And you have become one that can represent me. Because I'll restore you to what I called you to. Say, release it. <laughs> reach for it and be restored. See, God wants to restore us so that we can use our hands. God says, I'm going to stretch out my hand, but I'm going to use your hands. See, God's going to reach into your world, but I promise you he's going to use your hands. And the problem in the church today, why we haven't seen the power of God, is we believe his hand's strong, but we've never let him restore our hands. Oh, I, New Testament. And, and he happened into the temple on the Sabbath day, and there was a man there with a withered hand. See, a lot of us have a withered hand. We don't show it to you. We'll let you see this one. But this one, we, we ain't going to, this is, oh, we're blessed and highly favored, but our world at home is falling apart. So we, at the, we keep this one hidden. Is it right to heal on the Sabbath? Stretch out your, humble yourself before the hand of God. Say, stretch out your hand. 
See, in order to go free and be restored, sometimes you've got to reveal that thing you've been hiding. Because God wants to deliver people out of bondage, but he has to restore your hands before he can, say with me, my hands, both hands. Not just what I've done, but who I am. I've got to have both hands. I've got I to gotta let that withered hand, that one that's withered, you know what it means to be withered? It just kind of dries up. Some of you believe in the power of God, but you've just let yourself back up. Hmm. All the way through the Old Testament, you see God using the hands of his people. He used Moses' hands, and then when Joshua comes along, he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And what was on Moses was passed to Joshua. And from Joshua, it was passed on through the history and the lineage of Israel. And Elijah would lay hands on Elisha. Abraham would lay hands on Isaac and Isaac on Jacob. And God would pass his callings and his anointings from generation to generation by just laying on this man's hand to this man. And what was in this man would go into that man. And it was in the Old Testament. Now, it wasn't even the New. But down through the annuals of history, God would reach out his invisible hand by using the restored hands of a man. See, you must allow yourself to be restored because I need your touch. Dad, you must allow yourself to be restored because your children need God's touch. You must get over those things that have held you in bondage because other people need. See, it's one thing to come to be touched. It's another thing to become those that begin to touch. It's an entirely other thing. When I was broken and lost, dead and without, God restored me that I might then restore. It's a completely other motivation. I don't necessarily belong to the community called the household of God because I need. I now belong to this because you need. And I'm motivated to come not to get, but to give. Some of you are sitting at home because you have forgotten that now you have the responsibility to give. And the whole American church is all built on getting. Consumers. Don't like Walmart, you go to Target. Don't like Target, you go to Costco. No, 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 no. Once you're restored, you're responsible to begin. I see people all the time stuck with holding on to this. And that's really where Pete's ministry comes in, to get you to move beyond. All the way through history, God lays hands and it passes down And God delivers, restores, and renews. The Bible is filled with these verses. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. If you look at the hands of Jesus, guess what's there? Scars from the nails that held him to. He's inscribed you in the palms of his hands. When he looks at you, he sees the sacrifice that he made for you. See, I've inscribed you there. And Jesus comes along in John chapter 10 and says, nothing will snatch you out of my hands. Say, his hands. We live in his hands, and yet we become his hands. Isaiah goes on to say, command ye my hands. Just direct my, how do you command the hands of God? I want to know, how in the world can I tell God what to do with his hands? I can move my own. Because when I believe that this hand is his hand, 
Because I live and I move and have my being in him and he in me. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. The life I now live, I live for him. And so how do I command the hands of God? I surrender and submit and I recognize that you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That you will take your hands and let your hands be his hands. And now when you touch, it's not him, but it's Do you understand that in the New Testament, suddenly we understood that Christ lived in us and we live in Christ and the world is suffering from the lack of the outstretched hand of God because we have never been restored and we have never allowed God to work through us to accomplish. Hmm. This is not a matter of faith. It's a matter of reality that you shall lay hands on one another. Because now you know that God has. And now then the power of God moves through the world because we love one another. Because we are not trying to impose our doctrine or our set of standards on other people. But we are simply moving with the compassion of Christ. The love of God. Listen, I'll dare to touch people that other people won't even believe ought to be in here. While you're arguing over whether homosexuality or black or other things are God, you go ahead and argue about it. I think I'll just reach out and touch them with the hand of God. You argue. I think I'll just move in his power. And you see, you can't be favoritism about that. You can't touch this person and not touch that person. The grace of God demands, requires that you reach. Am I making any sense? I realize this is not popular fundamentalism, but it's true. Because you see, the message of God has been hijacked by preferences and prejudices and performances. And Christ came among touching the lepers, healing the lame. He just moved into a world, stretched out his hand, and delivered people from the bondages of Pharaoh. Didn't get involved. How many want to see the power of God break people free? How many just want to go free? Today. Now. Just lay hands on one another. Acts is full of these stories where signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles. It's full of these stories where Paul laid hands, where Peter laid hands, where where just fishermen Yesterday they were fishermen. Do you understand that when when Peter touched you, he smelled like a fish? (laughs) That yesterday's tax collector. Yesterday he was taking money for the Romans. Today he's giving life from Jesus. Do you see it? Anybody got hands? Say hands. My hands become his hands. His hands become my hands. Humble yourself under the mighty hand. God wills that men everywhere should lift up. Oh, you don't. The Bible says that men everywhere should lift up holy hands. That's the surrender that these hands now belong to you. That these hands. See, this isn't a charismatic worship thing. This, this is God. I'm yours. These hands. You know how many people are like this? When they should be like this? You know how many people are and they should be. The, the church should be moving through life like this and like this. You know, I think peop- more people would let you touch them if you do this rather than this. I love all of you, but there's too many people in the church fighting against something. Too many people opposed to someone. Mm-hmm. 
defined by what they're against rather than identified. Say both hands. Listen, I'm double dog daring you just to lift your hands. I'm just telling you that what you do with your hands matter. That God can't use these hands to heal if I can't use them first to praise, to thank you, to glorify you, to magnify you. Let's lay the foundation of the laying on of hands. Let's understand how powerful God will work. Stretch forth your hand. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and many believed. And God added to their number daily because of the hands. See, we, we, we have grown too used to the structures, too used to the things that man develops that we've become unfamiliar with the reality. Use my hands. Use my life. My daddy was a craftsman. He, he built cabinets. He didn't go to Lowe's and buy cabinets. He didn't order them on Amazon. He took real oak wood that came at about that, about that thick. And he'd make these doors that were called five-door cabinets that had a, one on top and down his frame. And that was made out of And then the, the panel of that door, you glued those together until you had whatever the width of the door was. And it was solid oak. And then you planed that down and got it smooth on both sides. And then daddy had this planer that you'd run this thing through and it was a machine. And you run through it and it made that little curve. Maybe you've been in grandma's house and you've seen real cabinets. And it took time to build that door. And I wanted to learn how to put that curve. I said, dad, I want to learn how to do that. He said, okay, son, come over here. And he turned this machine and we took this piece of wood. We didn't buy it. From Home Depot, we made that piece of wood. It taken us about a week. If you ruined it, and he put his hands on that piece of wood, he said, now put your hands on my hands. And he'd guide that wood through that. And I could feel that wood vibrate. And then he'd turn it to the other side. He'd say, now you put your hands. And I put my hands. And he'd put his hands on my hands. And then he'd Do you understand, my friends, it takes time to be mentored by someone whose hands already have the ability to do that. Now, you don't get this by listening to me teach this morning. You don't get this by reading a book about healing. You get this by being mentored and fathered and mothered by someone that can say, lay your hands on these hands. The church today struggles Because she won't take the time to understand, first of all, that God wants to use your hands. And then it won't take the time to understand that it takes another generation to pass it. It isn't just here, let me have this anointing, bam. No, it's here. Put your hands right here and I'll show you. Listen, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a spirit-filled believer I believe in the signs and the wonders of God. I believe in the laying on of hands. But it is dying from generation to generation because today we want super mega things rather than someone to take their hands and show me how to do this. Notice how quiet it gets in this place. If we are to recover the signs and the wonders of God, we're going to have to first of all recognize the gifts of God that are in us by the laying on of hands. I realize people see me on Facebook and I'm wearing a robe and they think, what, what is he doing? Well, it's because when you lay hands on another group of people, it should be special. When I got married, I didn't wear blue jeans. I hate to admit it, but I wore this tux with this baby blue tie. I'm more embarrassed by that tux and that baby blue tie than I am by the robe. Because when you lay on hands, it should be, and you should be showing. 
because it passes on this life that comes from God from the beginning of time. Neglect not the gift that's in you by the laying on of hands. You have to keep practicing. When I got up this morning and Annie's at home struggling under a sinus thing and Heather's at home struggling under a gallbladder thing. You see, every time you begin to teach and preach on things like this, then, then you have to... But I took that hand and I laid it on Annie's head. And I fully expect God to do what he said he would do with his hand, through my hand. Just look at your hands again. I am. Say it with me. I am chosen by God. I am. And you shall lay hands on the sick. We're a unique church, right? We, we want to sing everything that Hillsongs does, that Bethel does. We want to sing the latest thing Maverick does. Whatever's on Christian radio, we're going to sing it, right? And we're going to teach you a new song every week, maybe two. But see, I grew up. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Did you get it? (laughs) Maybe if I had somebody else sing it, right? God's hands moves to fulfill his promise. God's hand moves to protect you. God's hands move to provide for you, to give you purpose, to release his power. In order for that to happen through your hands, you have to release that switch familiar. You have to pick up that which you're afraid of so he can restore who you truly are. When we will allow God to lay his hands on our life and mentor us with the anointing that comes from the beginning, we'll begin to see the signs and the wonders and miracles. God has something he wants to release in every one of your lives. My grandmother Lottie. Hmm. Saw the hand of the Lord on the preacher today. Marion, I saw the hand of the Lord. They would go to buy a car. My grandma Lottie would go, no, no, no. The hand of the Lord is not on that car. I listened to that. Grandma was in her 80s and she's on her deathbed. Her sisters, all five of them, gathered around that bed. Let me tell you, in that house, the sisters got there first. And behind the sisters was the next generation. Behind that generation was this generation. And we're crammed in that little nursing home that smelled like chlorine. My grandmother hadn't spoken a day. this hand and the sisters and they tell stories went on for about three hours I remember when Lottie saw the hand of the Lord I remember when Lottie I remember when Lottie if she ever gets a hold of that hand that she's been watching for 80 years she'll be gone and they're praying in tongues. They're singing. You don't read this in the book. You don't make this up. The sisters, they started shouting. There she goes. the hand I'm talking to you about. When you live your life looking at the outstretched hand of God, there's someday it'll stretch out for you. And it'll stretch down into a broken cancer-ridden body. And it'll take your hand and it'll pull you out of this thing called the earth. 
I'm going to see that hand someday. And that hand's going to pull me out of this world. Some of you think I'm just praying for that hand to heal. I'm praying for that hand to redeem me into the realities of heaven. I don't care if ever the preacher goes on and keeps talking about politics. This boy is reaching for that hand. And I'm reaching for you this morning. If you've never said, Jesus is Lord. If you've never acknowledged in your heart that he came and died on a cross to pull you out of sin. If you've never said yes to Jesus and thrown that thing down and picked that thing up. If you've never let him change that leopard hand into the hand. Then I'm asking you this morning to believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of the living God. That Jesus is the manifestation of the invisible love of the father to say yes to him and let your life become his life and his life become your life and his hands become your hands it's so very simple Lord I believe Lord forgive me Lord come into my life restore me if you're in this room this morning, you can do it with your eyes wide open. You can do it with your eyes shut. Jesus is Lord of my life. If you're here this morning, you might catch this. This isn't even a church song. Well, maybe. Could be. your hand in the hand oh come on put your hand in the hand of the man that's still the one see some of you didn't grow up in church you grew up listening to put your hand in the hand of the man that calls you gotta take a good look at yourself and you can't look at others differently this guy, Danny Hathaway and Roberta Flack. You remember this? Isn't there an old rock and roller out there somewhere? I can sing great is thy faithfulness and then put your hand in the hand. Come at it any way you want to come at it. God's there. Come at it from that way. Come at it from that way. Everybody knows you just got to put your hand in the hand. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.